I just don't think about it, right? Because this is what we do. It's a big church. I was like, huh, okay. So I wanted to tell you thank you because you're probably just as tired of it as I am. Are you tired of it? I'm tired of it. I'm so tired of it. I'm so, so tired of it. And <coughs> with, the, with all that's happening, we'll probably be wearing it for a while. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for putting up with it. I'm tired of singing into my mask. Like, <gasps> I was like, this mask is the worst for singing. So thank you. <coughs> Good morning. That was a beautiful prayer, Casey said. What did she say? Um, I was like, oh, that God would awaken, lighten something in us. And I was like, isn't that our prayer? That longing, isn't that why we show up here week after week after week, really hoping, longing that God will ignite something and speak to us. Um, so that's my, that's my hope as well. This is the second week of Advent. Um, last week was pretty special. Thank you, Jamie, for teaching Sunday school on stage. <laughs> that was a first. That was, you were, that was engaging. Um, so Advent has themes. And the theme of Advent that we are with this year is waiting. Waiting. Uh, we spend much of our life waiting, do we not? <laughs> waiting. It's a place where we find ourselves often, often waiting. This season of life has felt like one long waiting, like right now. I was going to say COVID. I'm like, I don't even want to say that out loud because I think people are so tired of the word. I'm like, they'll turn me off. So this time has felt like one long waiting. And in waiting, the way things have been cannot be anymore, right? The way that life was before this season cannot be how it will ever be again. And yet we're in one long, because we're not settled. We have lived in a long season of being unsettled. We don't know what life is going to look like. We're not sure yet. We don't know what it's going to be when we get to the end. And so we're waiting. Um, the theme of Advent often is we're waiting for Christ. That's what we're waiting for in Advent. And it's apropos right now because we find ourselves in a time of waiting. We want God to match our speed, our hustle, and yet when we look at the saints in our own lives, we cannot deny that God moves slowly. God moves slow. I, one of my favorite prayer, prayers is trust in the slow work of God. God moves slowly. Trust in the slow work of God. So in Advent, we slowly wait for God waiting for him day and day and day. Last week, Jamie spoke on hope. Hope was the, is the first theme of Advent. Um, hope. When I looked up the definition of hope this week, it said um, hope is to have confidence and trust. Hope, to have confidence and trust. Sometimes right now I look at the world and it feels impossible to hope. What am I hoping for? Is it possible I wouldn't say that I'm a person that loses hope. However, as I was reading recently, it says, when have you thought in your mind this will never change? When have you thought this is just the way it is? In your marriage, with your family, relationship with somebody, yourself, this is just who I am. I'm stuck here. <laughs> I clearly can't change. And I was challenged that those are places where you've lost hope. I've lost hope. 
So I think if you would have asked me, I'd been like, I'm a very hopeful person. I trust. I have confidence. And yet there are times I whisper in my mind and in my heart, that's just the way it is. That's not going to change. And I was challenged to, um, to relook at that and realize I've lost hope. This week I landed in Psalm 131.3. I want to read this for you. It says, wait, Israel, for God. Wait with hope. Hope now, hope always. I liked last week how Jamie told the kids, whenever you see Israel in the Bible, you can just kind of take it out and put your name there. And it's because Israel was written, Israel was God's people. And now we're included in God's people. So I was reading it this week. Wait, Heidi. Wait for God. Wait with hope. Hope now. Hope always. It's broken beyond mending at times, I believe. And there are places where I've lost hope and I've forgotten and I've stopped believing that God makes all things new. It might seem that many places are irreparable, and they are on your own. Those places where you say, this is just the way it's been with us. We've been married 22 years. It's just the way it is. It's irreparable with man, but with God, all things are possible. I think it's important to say that sometimes the way we want it to be is not the way it will be. But that doesn't mean that God isn't making all things new and that he can um, bring hope into those places. Truth is, I was talking with Kathleen this week as we were walking, the truth is that change does get more difficult with time. That is the truth. To hold on to that hope is harder. But it does not mean it's impossible. The longer you've lived a certain way with a certain way of being about yourself, the harder it is to change. But with God, all things are possible. And you have to have desire. Desire and longing to change. So as we look at the first week, as we look back, uh, we remind ourselves to hope. Hope now, hope always. And then we move to the second theme, which Carla introduced, little Carla today. That was sweet for us, peace. This week is peace. The theme is um, peace. Jesus is the focus of Advent. Through the whole thing, we um, we look at Advent and we think of his like his birth. That's where we mostly think of it and focus in Advent is his birth. But also through Advent, we look at how he comes to us now each day. We look at the three ways of Christ. We come how he comes to us in communion. How he comes to us, it's it's actually how he comes to us mysteriously in your everyday life. We're looking to how Christ comes to us. How he comes to us when you're alone in your car and you're driving. How he comes to you when you're out for a walk and you're staring at the birds. How he comes to you when you're at your rock bottom. How Christ comes to us now. And also the third way that we look at Christ in Advent, which surprised me, and I, um, is that we look to his third returning. In Advent, the scriptures remind us that he is coming again. And I was, I was surprised by that. That's not usually what I land in in Advent. But they remind us that Christ will come again. And I think that it's important as Christians to remember that he's coming again. And I think that sometimes I haven't wanted to talk about a lot about how Christ is coming again because I feel like the church has mistreated it. I feel like they've scared us 
They put fear in us of what is to come, and it leaves us scary. And I think that that's not actually what Scripture teaches. So the Scripture today is, um, it is from the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to be looking at the Gospel teaching of Jesus coming from the end time. The beginning of Advent Scriptures, they focus on Jesus' final return. And we're invited to prepare joyfully, not with fear. We're invited to wait for Christ's return with happy anticipation rather than fear and being scared. We're invited to wait in peace for Jesus' return. So let's go to our passage for today, and we're going to look at Luke, Luke 21. So if you could find your in your Bibles, I think it'll also be up here since he's got it all fixed. You can follow along. But the passages for today, Luke 21, 25 through 28, and then we're going to jump to 34 through 36. I'll give you a moment to get there. All right. I'm going to read it to you. Luke 21, 25 through 28. There will be signs in the sun, the moon and the stars, and on the earth, distress among the nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things happen begin and begin to take place, stand up, raise up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Verse 34, be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus, be with us as we look at your word today. May our hearts hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When I read this passage on Monday morning, it was a passage in my daily reading, and I thought, how apropos. This is where we're at. The signs in the heavens and in this world People are faint with fear. <laughs> when we look around, the world looks like it's gone, just a wreck. It looks like the, the places around us and the people, humans are hurting humans, and power has been abused. There is, there is unfaithfulness inside and outside of the church, and people are freaking out. People are full of fear and foreboding. We've been taught this as a church, <laughs> to freak out with the rest of the world rather than to learn to live in peace. Um, Pete Scazzaro is a pastor in New York, and he said right now in New York that people are paying $500 an hour to see a counselor. $500 to see a counselor. And I look at it, and I think um, 2,000 years ago when the world looked crazy, people were full of fear and foreboding, and it's still the same without Christ, without peace. 
that's where we're lent to. When my sister went to the doctor with her kids a few months ago, he says, oh, I'm so glad your kids aren't depressed because if they were, it would take months to be able to see a counselor. Um, I'm not saying that if you believe in Jesus that you will not be anxious. That's unkind and not true. I am saying that when we fix our eyes on Jesus and we look at him, there is a peace that is available to us. I just thought when I said that, because that can be really unkind and untruthful to say that. But when I do look at the world around us, and I do think we saturate ourselves in the news, and we saturate ourselves in things other than Christ, we find ourselves not looking any different than the world, and we find ourselves fear of fear and foreboding. And I don't say we and not include myself. There have been times in the last couple years when I have lost sight of Jesus and I have found myself sitting in fear and foreboding. And then I remember that the Son of Man is coming. Jesus is more powerful than the fear that's going around. Then I remember that it doesn't matter what our president really does, no matter how much I like or dislike him, that God is more powerful than Biden and Trump. And sometimes I forget when I hear the news. When we come to the passage here, it says, when these things happen, then we will see the Son of Man. And I think we come at this from a, a Western view. So we're like, now, now is then. If this is what's happening, then is now. But I think we need to recognize that this is not written from a Western perspective. This is written from an Eastern perspective. And time, when you read scripture, does not ever line up with the way that we see it in the Western world. And so I think a lot of times right now people are like, it's then. Right now is then. And I think people, if you're honest, if you look like 100 years ago after the Spanish influenza, people were probably like, it's then. It's now. Um, last year, I studied Revelation with the college students, and I realized how much my, my theology from Revelation was taken from books, novels, not the Bible. It was written by the Left Behind series. Did you know the word Antichrist isn't even in the book of Revelation? I was like, what? Really? It's not even there. And I realize how false my view of Revelation, and the reason I said it's a huge part of it is the, the timing the then, the guy from the Bible Project said, you know Jesus might not come for a million years? I was like, what? He said, Jesus actually might not come for a million years. We really don't know. Jesus doesn't even know when. We have spent so much time in the church, we, like, trying to figure it out, right? We got to know when, we got to know when, when Jesus doesn't even know. What a waste of time. What a waste of time. But the point here is someday, someday, then he will come. And what I notice is what he will come is with power. Jesus has power and glory. And when I take my eyes off of that, when we take our eyes off of that, we, we tend to be fearful. We live that way. Now, when these things happen, which you could say they are now, stand up and raise your heads. Stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is near. Stand up. Not put your head in the sand because you're scared. But stand up. It takes a bit of faith to stand up. When I thought of that is I often stand up afraid. Do you ever feel like that? Like you stand up afraid. I'm standing up. I'm looking at Jesus. And I'm still a little bit afraid. And I think that that's okay. 
Like, I think when the world was falling apart, to stand up and be afraid is still to say, I trust you, I'm standing up, I'm hoping this is enough. <laughs> stand up and be afraid. So the first is, he says, to stand up. And then next he says, to be on guard. To be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the worries of this life. I don't want a heart that's weighed down. <laughs> Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down. I think many hearts are weighed down. I think many people think that's just actually the way that it's supposed to be. They don't even think that there might be something different available. And this is what it says weighs down your heart. Dissipation, drunkenness, and the worries of this life. I was like, I actually don't know. Maybe you guys do. I'm like, I actually don't know what the word dissipation <laughs> means. And I looked it up. Listen to this. I was really surprised. Okay, so this is dissipation. This is what weighs down my heart, your heart. Mental distraction, amusement, and diversion. Is that not us? Is that not our culture? I was like, wow, mental distraction. We are so, I am so, we are so good at mentally distracting ourselves. Amusing. We've been called the people that amuse ourselves to death. We've been known as a culture that amuses ourselves to death and diversion. Sometimes we say we'll do anything to not have to look at our own lives, to not look beyond the surface. We'll keep ourselves busy, keep going, 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 to not have to look beyond the surface. It's going to take intentionality to not be weighed down. It's going to take intentionality. If we don't live differently to put our souls in order, then we will be weighed down. We will be distracted. We will amuse ourselves to death. And we will be diverted. And drunkenness. I think some of us might be like, well, that doesn't actually apply to me. I'm not, I'm not a drunk. But any, any addiction weighs your heart down. Anytime you're addicted to something. I think it's really important. A few weeks ago, Jamie introduced the idea of soft addictions. Soft addictions. And I think that we have to look at that as Christians. What are the places that you go to when you just want to numb? That weighs your heart down. That doesn't bring you closer to Christ. That weighs your heart down. And I think if we're honest, most of us have soft addictions that we wouldn't go as far as to say it's a strong, but they, they weigh your heart down and they keep you focused on things other than Christ. And the anxieties, the worries of this life. It's kind of funny, but the way, uh, maybe funny, not funny, but the way Eugene Peterson in the message translation, he actually said shopping. He actually put that in there, like the worries of this life and shopping. And I was, okay, it sounds funny, but I was actually thinking of this. During this season, how much of our energy do we focus on shopping to buy gifts? It weighs my heart down. And some of you, maybe it doesn't, but for me, it, it weighs my heart down. I thought it was so interesting that he put that in there. I also was reading, I was like, people have not changed that much in 2,000 years. I wonder what they did to mentally distract themselves and amuse themselves to death and divert themselves 2,000 years ago. Um, we're not that different. I was thinking, when life is peaceful and when I feel healthy, when my kids are in a good place, 
when everything looks good, I am a pretty good person. I'm a pretty uh, easy person to be. I'm a pretty great human. I think, though, that the invitation here is that when life is not easy, when life is stressful, when there is illness, when there are rough relationships, that we can still be a person of peace. I realized like a number of years ago that when life was hard, I kind of fell apart. Like, I would. Like, as long as enough things were going smoothly, as long as the world wasn't falling apart too much, the waves weren't too much, the, s- the fear wasn't too much, that I was an okay person and I could function. But when my dad almost died of his heart attack and a few other things all happened, I kind of was a mess. And I felt God say, you don't, ha- you don't have to be that way. I offer to you that you can be who you are, a person of peace, when the world is falling apart. And I knew that I was not there, and so began a journey. So began a journey. I think as humans, our natural inclination is to be weighed down with the worries and the anxiety and the addictions and stuff, but we're invited to something different. This week, I kept thinking of, if you can put up that image, Oh, it doesn't look as great there. Shoot, as I'm on my computer at home. I was thinking of the passage in, um, in Psalms and Jeremiah that we are invited to be a tree planted by streams of water. So in the beautiful picture, can you imagine this is all green here and lush and healthy? And right beyond it is just nothing. It's there's no life. It's just sand. It's just sand. And as you watch, look at that picture. I'm going to read this Jeremiah passage to you. And I would say to you, we're invited to be that tree planted in this. It's an oasis. Jamie's like, that's an oasis. We're invited to be one of those palms planted by this stream here. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. Blessed is the person who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He or she is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its root by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Blessed am I when I am that palm tree who chooses to stay close. The, the river, that's, that's God. That's Jesus' light. That's when I stay close. What's kind of amazing about this, when you think of the context of what it was written, this is the Middle East. There's desert and drought and sand and extreme, extreme temperatures. But if you stick close to that stream and if you let your roots go down, you're in an oasis. So I read this to you again. I ask you to look and listen. Blessed is the person, blessed am I, Heidi, when I trust the Lord. I am like a palm tree planted by the water that sends out its root to the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green, and I am not anxious in the year of drought, 
and I will not cease to bear fruit. A person of peace is a gift to the world. A person that when the world is running amok can be a peaceful present is a gift to the world. You're a gift to your spouse. You're a gift to your friends, right? When you're not anxious and carrying that with you, you are a gift to your friends. You're a gift to your neighbor. You're a gift to a stranger. I was thinking of this. So I think it was two Sundays ago, we were in Moscow, and we were getting gas. And um, we pulled up to the gas station, and you could not get gas, so Jamie goes to back up. And Isaac and Jamie and I are all in the car. He goes to back up, and there's this lady who comes out, and we kind of almost accidentally ran her over, or Jamie did. But, like, not really, but kind of, like, you know, you even have a backup camera, and you're like, how can that happen? I have a backup camera. However, she starts screaming and yelling at us, like, just raging. She's raging at Jamie, and she's like, you're a thief and wanted to run me over, and, you know, and, and like, just totally. Th- so, you know, that's a person that's living on the edge of rage, right? That's not a person of peace. And I realized, actually, it took me quite a bit of work, like, talking to myself, telling myself how to be, right? To not carry that, to let it go. It's not a big deal. Not want to yell back at her. And so if I'm a person of rage and counting a person of rage, what, what does that do to, to, the, to the society? Like, what if I, like, turned on her and just started raging back in her face? Instead of being calm and, and tell, you know, like talking to, I'm talking out probably for Jamie and Isaac, probably it's more for me, like, it's okay, we're all right. But I think it was more for me, they're probably like, yeah, we know mom, or we know Heidi. But I was thinking about it, when you're a person of peace, like you would, you respond to things so differently as you move through the world. So it's not just for ourselves, but it's also for the stranger. When I, when I lose trust, when I lose that trust, I lose peace. When I lose trust, I lose my peace. When I take my gaze, when I take my roots up and I place them somewhere else, I get anxious. I've told that story here before. Um, okay, I'm wearing this sweater today. I realized I put it on on purpose this morning. This is my grandma's sweater. My grandma died at the end of May. And I got her sweater. And I realized I was speaking today on peace and not being fearful. Jamie often says here, you have grandpa in your bones. If we want more of Jesus, but a lot of times we, we look like our family more than we look like Jesus. I have grandma in my bones. Not grandpa. I probably do, but I have grandma. My grandma loved Jesus a lot. She loved Jesus a lot, and my grandma worried a lot. My grandma was a very fearful person, and I have grandma in my bones. The first thing grandma would say on the phone is, other than are you still skinny, that's not helpful, not loving nor kind, and the next one was, are you okay? Is Jamie okay? Are you okay? Is everyone okay? Is anybody sick? You're all fine, right? Right? Nobody's, nothing's wrong with anybody. And, and so I've noticed it's a theme in my life that I get scared. I lose my peace. It's in my bones. But the invitation to me, if that's in your bones, 
is I feel Jesus takes my face and he looks me in the eye like that little kid. I've told this story because um, I experience it regularly. I get fearful and I actually experience Jesus. Like, have you seen the little kids where they, you guys have little kids where they want your attention and you're talking to an adult and they come up and they put their hands, my kids used to do this to me, Emma would do this, she'd put her hands on either side of my face and she would turn my face towards her and she would say, Mama, like, look at me and then they could talk to you. Like, look at me. And this is how I often experience Jesus because sometimes I take my eyes, I take my roots and I put them up there I put them way up there, and I start to shrivel and die. And I actually can experience Jesus. He puts his hands on either side, and now he's the guy from The Chosen that I see. If you watch it, you know what I mean? And he's cute. And then he lights your face. That's a weird thing to say. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> D- I take that out. That's a really weird thing to say. But Julie said that Peter was really hot, so I don't know. So... <laughs> so he puts your hands on the side, and he takes it, and he looks at me, and he says to me, you can trust me. Oh, my gosh, did I totally completely derail that story? But, okay, but really, this I happens, and I he takes it, and he, he looks at me in the eye, and he says, Heidi, you can trust me. You can trust me. You can trust me. And as I wear this sweater, <laughs> I'm reminded maybe that's why so often I need him to say, I'm inviting you to something different. You can trust me. Let's look at the last invitation. So he says, be on guard so your hearts are not weighed down. And the last one is be alert. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape. Be alert that you may be steadfast and faithful, that you may be steadfast and faithful to the end. I recently heard uh, a talk on um, prosperity gospel and how we've told people to, like, keep doing what's right because you'll prosper. And they're like, what about just following God because he asked you to? What about just following God and being faithful and steadfast because you love him? What if you never get anything for it and you just follow him and you're close to him just because he asked you to? Bring, being alert, praying at all times. I just think that means listening to God. I think there's been a lot of awesome books written on prayer, but I think the invitation is simply listen, keep listening. When I lose sight of the power of Jesus, the Son of Man, I can have freak out days. When I distract myself with the news, with busyness, shopping, living, and then I look back at Jesus, I can stand up again peacefully and with happy anticipation. As a staff, we're reading right now the book called Soul Keeping by John Ortberg. He writes that in order to change, we have to remove something and replace it with something else. Because I realize we're asking ourselves to get rid of the distractions, and we're asking ourselves to replace the amusements and the diversions, but you have to replace it with something else. And I invite you to replace it with quiet time, with Jesus. In the busy, this busy modern world, where can I make time to be planted by that stream and to put down roots each day so that I can walk as a person of peace? 
I was reading a Richard Rohr this week, and he said that we in the Western culture are spiritually lazy. That's what he said about us. We're spiritually lazy. So he says, you can't say that. That's rude. I'm like, well, I actually think it's true. Um, and I think I've been spiritually lazy. I think I was kind of taught to be spiritually lazy. I've said to Sister Lillian, why does it take so much work to be in a good place with God? Why does it take me so much work? Like, I actually think it takes a lot of time to be, like, in a place of peace and to be rooted with God. And I think that comes out of being lazy, being taught that it wouldn't take much. Like, I think you want to think that five, 15 minutes a day, but honestly, if you live in a world that's saturated with something other than Jesus, you've got to saturate yourself with Jesus to look different. I want to look different, and I want to not be spiritually lazy. And I believe that it's true that I have been, and I don't want to be. So I think this week the invitation is in the middle of this busy world, is where can you take time to be planted by the stream to put down roots each day? In the oasis, because that's what it really is. Being with Jesus is actually an oasis. It's wonderful. It's a delight learning to be with him and to be a person of peace. As we wait for his second return, to not be freaking out by what's going on around us, but to remember that Jesus is in control. He is more powerful and that I can walk as a person of peace. So I'm going to give you a moment in the middle of this Advent season, in the busy modern world we live in, in the hustle, where can I make time to be planted by the stream, to put down roots, and to be connected to God? And then I think we have time for a song. Would you guys be willing to end? Do we have time? They're looking at each other. Thanks. So as you spend time in your heart, um, we'll finish with a song today. Thanks.